What's up, everybody? Tanner Hoops with you on this Tuesday afternoon. Glad to have you along, as always. And I got football fever, and I got it bad. Two more days until we kick off under Thursday Night Lights here on ESPN-UP. We'll go back to Fridays the following week, but I can't wait for it. I'm sure you can't either. Football in Marquette County is almost back. We've got a lot of it here on this show as well. We've got a lot to touch on from this weekend. Of course, we had our official show yesterday. Didn't get to as much of the weekend stuff as I wanted. We're going to dive into it today. We're going to hit it hard and pack it full. Plus, we have got an interview coming up about a brand new trend at Michigan Tech, something that is growing very rapidly across the United States, and Michigan Tech has joined the party. Athletic Director Suzanne Sangregret is going to come on here over the course of the next hour and talk about the newest athletic team at Michigan Tech University. Plus, some betting odds. Who should you be putting the money on this weekend? College football week one, as well as the World Series. We will know the World Series champion in less than two months. How about that? All that more is coming up over the course of the next hour, but we start with this. The breaking news that nobody saw coming Saturday night, Andrew Luck announced his retirement from professional football. I was shocked. I had no idea this was coming. I knew he was dealing with injury. I was listening to ESPN-UP. I was listening to the broadcast of Miami, Florida. I was actually down at Harbor Fest. I was multitasking. I had one earbud in listening to the game, and I had one ear open listening to the music. And I hear the breaking news, Jacoby Brissett is the new starting quarterback of the Indianapolis Colts, and I couldn't believe it. I was heartbroken. I was inconsolable. Andrew Luck is one of my favorite players, and his career comes to an end at age 29. I tell you what, there are a lot of people who are inconsolable about this. Some of them didn't handle it very well. Let me give you the facts before I give you some opinion. Andrew Luck has dealt with more injuries than most people do in a lifetime. He's played through them plenty of times, and he loves football. This doesn't change that. He loves football. Football is not just a career or a lifestyle. It's not what defines Andrew Luck, but it is part of the Luck family DNA. Football runs that deep in the Luck family blood that you can only imagine how hard this decision was for him. This was not an easy decision. It was not a fickle decision. And yet people are treating Andrew Luck as if it was. The story was broken by our own Adam Schefter, our ESPN NFL insider. Someone leaked it to him while the Colts were still on the field playing a preseason game on Saturday night. People are mad at Schefter for doing it. I don't blame Schefter. If he waits, somebody else is going to break the news. So the fans find out while the Colts are on the field. Andrew Luck was spotted talking to tight end Jack Doyle and then heading to the locker room for 20 minutes. People speculated as to why. Then the news broke. As the Colts were coming off the field, Andrew Luck was booed by his home crowd. A guy who put his body through so much torment, so much pain, is given an odious farewell. The last time we see him in a Colts uniform, he's being booed off the field in Indianapolis. How wrong is that? I felt so bad for him because I know what went into this decision. It was not easy but people want to point the finger and call Andrew Luck selfish. Andrew Luck has played in the NFL six total seasons. This is what he suffered through. Torn cartilage in two ribs, a partially torn abdomen, a lacerated kidney, which left blood in his urine, one concussion that we know about, a torn labrum on his throwing shoulder, keep in mind, and this ankle-slash-calf injury that we've been finding about the last couple of weeks. 
All of that has taken such a physical and emotional toll on Andrew Luck that football no longer made him happy anymore. Football no longer was a joy in his life anymore. Football was taking a toll on him in the sense that he was in a rut. It not only damaged his body physically, emotionally it drained him to the point where football was no longer his friend. In that sense, I don't blame Andrew Luck one bit for what he did and neither should you. Because nobody knows what this man went through other than him. And he made the right choice for him. He did what was best for him. And it's not up to any of us to judge that. Yet some people do. Certain shock jocks want to think that they know everything. That they can speak for everybody. Guys like Doug Gottlieb, Dan Dockich, Mark Madden. Let me read you a few tweets that came out after Luck announced he was retiring. From Doug Gottlieb. Host of the Gottlieb Show on Fox Sports 1. Retiring because rehabbing is too hard is the most millennial thing ever. Hashtag Andrew Luck. Are you kidding me? Who are you to say that? Who are you to be able to judge Andrew Luck for doing what's best for him after going through what he has? Who are you to judge? Luck thankfully had some supporters. Many of them, I'm proud to say, are with this network. Mike Golick, Mike Golick Jr., Damian Woody. But here are a couple that I really, really like. One being Troy Aikman. In response to Gottlieb's tweet, he said, That's total bull****, Doug. What qualifies you to decide how someone should live their life? So you're now the authority on what motivates Andrew Luck? And if his decision doesn't fit into what you think is best for him, then you rip him? Guess that's what keeps you employed on FS1. Tell you what, you could hate the Cowboys with all your heart. You could be the biggest Eagles, Giants, or Redskins fan there is. But you can't help but like Troy Aikman after saying something like that. Because he's absolutely right. Maybe the best response, though, came from Carolina Panthers wide receiver Torrey Smith. In response to Gottlieb, you stole credit cards because working was too hard. In reference to an incident about a quarter of a century ago where Gottlieb was caught stealing a credit card from a classmate at Notre Dame when he played on the basketball team there. Gottlieb was coming off a prolific freshman season for the Fighting Irish, but left school because the incident went to Golden West Community College. So Gottlieb, who led Notre Dame in steals, you like that? Led Notre Dame in steals. His freshman year is the one to criticize Andrew Luck for doing what's best for him. It's garbage. Garbage. Dan Dockich criticized Luck for being tired, for being without energy, without passion for the game anymore, citing that he has family members who work as teachers, as steelworkers. My backside, Dockich said, in response to Luck being emotionally drained. You know, there are a few big arguments that people want to make for criticizing Andrew Luck, one of them being, he's just not tough enough to do this again. Do you not realize what he's been through? The rehab that he's had to come back from, that he's already been through? To do something that you would never be able to get through. Just for what? To risk getting CTE? Doing permanent damage to his body? Maybe getting a pain pill addiction in the next 10 years? Instead of enjoying his 30th birthday coming up here in about two weeks with his new wife and traveling the world, relaxing and enjoying life once again. A couple of months out of the NFL and he is going to feel better than he has in 15 years. He's going to feel like a 17-year-old again. I think all of us want that. I don't blame Andrew Luck for wanting that. Neither should you. People will say, man, you think about Deshaun Watson last year. 
couldn't get on a plane to go to Jacksonville because he had a punctured lung. Instead, he took a bus, and he still played in that game with a punctured lung. Is that tough? Absolutely it is. But was it smart? For sake, no. Yeah, give Watson credit for his dedication, but he played at the highest level of football in the world with a punctured lung. Yeah, it's brave. I give him credit. He's tough, but it's also not smart. Guys have played in games at full strength and suffered injuries that would affect them for the rest of their life and their career. Thankfully, Deshaun Watson didn't have to suffer that while playing with a punctured lung. Critics of Andrew Luck are criticizing him for doing the smart thing. My friends, way too many times we forget that these are human beings just like you and me. That these are people with goals, fears, loved ones, just like ourselves. Every sports fan, to some degree, is guilty of seeing athletes only as objects, as only means of entertainment. Something that we can use to relax for three hours on a Sunday, sit back in our favorite easy chair, and just escape our problems. Sometimes that's all we see professional athletes as. And it's not right. The Indianapolis fans who booed Andrew Luck off the field Saturday night sure forgot that. What do you think Andrew Luck is feeling when he battered his body, broke his bones, all for that city and that fan base, and they boo him off? The last time he ever puts on that number 12 Indianapolis uniform, he gets booed off just for doing something that would make him happy, just improve his quality of life. Because those fans don't care if Andrew Luck is happy or not. All they care about is if he is on the field and throwing touchdowns, leading them to the promised land, bringing them a Super Bowl. I get they were probably shocked. I get they were disappointed. If you ever get to the point where you don't treat an athlete like a human being, you need an appointment. You just do. You need an appointment. How about Josh Gordon and the struggles that he's going through lately? A lot of people look at that and say, Matt, what an idiot. All he does is literally smoke away his career. People don't stop to think that this guy is showing signs of a mental illness or defect. That marijuana is an escape from his stress, from his mental prison. Now that may sound like a cop-out. And there's some things Josh Gordon could have done better as far as seeking help for himself. But what people don't understand about Gordon is it's not just something where he can't stay off the weed. Josh Gordon is mentally sick. He's trapped and unhappy, fighting a constant battle. And he uses marijuana as a form of escape, a way to relieve stress. I'm not saying that's the right thing to do to handle your problems, and I'm not defending him. I'm just saying don't condemn him. Don't condemn him for that. Because 95% of us have dealt with stress at one time or another the wrong way, with the wrong material. For Josh Gordon, for so many people, it's not just stress. It is a constant lifelong battle they are fighting every moment of every day i'm not saying what josh gordon did is right but people look at him and say that he is an idiot throwing his life away that marijuana just matters more to him than football when in fact that's not true because unless he's on the field catching touchdowns fans of the team that he's on or fantasy owners do not care what josh gordon is going through off the field if he's not on the field then he's of no more value than anybody else. Then he's just a regular guy. Too often, our perception of public figures is dependent on what they can do for us. It's not an in-sickness or in-health relationship. 
it is only an in-health relationship. Saturday afternoon, those Colts fans that were booing Andrew Luck were probably singing his praises. They probably thought Andrew Luck was the greatest guy who ever lived. Saturday night, they were booing him off the field because he was no longer going to be productive to them, because he was no longer of value to them. Football is very much, what have you done for me lately? And now it's getting to the point where it's, what are you going to do for me? If you're not going to do anything for me, you don't have value to me. I value you only as someone who's going to entertain me, not as a human being, not as handiwork of God. No, it's only what can you do for me on a football field Sunday afternoons. That's all you are to me. To a degree, every sports fan has done that at least once in their life. But my friends, it's not right. And I'm worried that as a society, we are gearing more and more in that direction. And we got to stop it. I don't blame Andrew Luck for what he did. I wish him all the best going forward. Andrew Luck is still going to be one of my favorite players. Am I going to miss him being on the field? Absolutely. Love watching him play. Football's better with him. But he's better without football. And that's what's most important right now. He is going to go enjoy life, feel better than he has in 15 years, enjoy retirement with his new wife. And I'm happy about that because Andrew Luck is a person just like you and me. And he's a good person. Never had problems with Andrew Luck. He's always kept his nose clean. He's got a flip phone. He's one of the most vanilla guys there is. He's not a bad boy. And he has gone through more than most people ever do. And now he's putting himself first, as he should. I don't blame Andrew Luck a bit, neither should you. As fans, we want something to root for. Whenever a player decides to hold out for a new contract, you know who it benefits? The player, if it's successful. It doesn't benefit the ownership because that means they got to fork over more money, and it doesn't benefit us as fans. If Ezekiel Elliott doesn't play this year, how does that benefit Cowboy fans? Zeke might get more money, but Cowboy fans are never going to see that. It doesn't affect them at all. All they care about is having their star running back on the field. Same with Melvin Gordon or any other player that decides to hold out. Am I blaming the player for that? No, especially running backs, given the risk they face every time they touch the ball. But what I'm saying is, as fans, we don't consider who this guy is off the field. We don't consider what he's going through, what his situation is off the field. The only way we see him is on Sundays wearing a helmet and a jersey, or as somebody on our fantasy team roster. And shame on us for doing so. With that, we're hitting our first time out. When we come back, if you're looking to do a little gambling this weekend, college football week one, I've got the odds we should take over and under, plus the World Series favorite as of right now. The answer might surprise you, but I guarantee the margin of victory, their odds to win the World Series, that's going to surprise you. And that's coming up next on ESPN-UP. Check out the UP's live and local sports talk show, The Sports Pen. Weekday afternoons at 4 on ESPN-UP and on the ESPN-UP app. Tanner Hoops with you in The Sports Pen. Glad that you're along this Tuesday afternoon. We got some football, got some baseball we want to get into here in this second segment. But I just heard this audio during the break. I got to play it for you. I don't mean to keep harping on Andrew Luck and the situation he's going through, but I love this audio. Probably many of you have seen the videos of Andrew Luck complimenting defensive players who give him a big hit, who sack and get him on the ground. He compliments them because he is just that nice of a guy. And I thought, this can't be real. A guy can't really be doing this in the National Football League. This has to be fake audio dubbed over. It's not. 
Rob Ninkovich, former New England Patriots linebacker, was on Golik and Wingo this morning, commented on the situation. Take a listen. In my era with playing, and I would imagine you guys still to a point would do the same thing. You try and find a reason to not like the people you're playing against and maybe give them a little extra here and there. You see these videos of Andrew Luck <laughs> after you take a, hit him. Hey, nice hit. Hey, good hit. Helping guys up. I mean, was he hard to dislike on the field? <laughs> I mean, honestly, I, I hit him once, and it was the first time I've ever heard, hey, good hit. I, like, <laughs> I looked at him. I think there's a clip of me actually looking at him like strange. Like, what? Like, <laughs> What's wrong with happen? you, man? That doesn't happen. I love that. Andrew Luck is going to go down as one of my favorite players in NFL history. That is one of the many reasons. Just to put the finishing touches on this, if you believe Andrew Luck intentionally waited until two weeks before the season to say that he can't live with the pain anymore... You're wrong, and you don't know anything about him. You've never met him. This is a guy that fully believed prior to the draft, prior to training camp, that he could be a healthy and effective quarterback and help the Colts contend for a Super Bowl. When he realized he wasn't, he decided, I am not going to risk getting addicted to opioids for something I don't even love anymore, football, instead of spending time with my wife and traveling the world. It is his choice, it's nobody else's, and no blame needs to be assigned. As much as everybody wants to, the pundits out there want to assign blame, and a lot of them want to assign it to luck. No one gave Chandler Catanzaro any kind of flack when he retired after week one of the preseason. Andrew Luck, just because of who he is, because he has done a better job in the NFL than Catanzaro, means the hammer comes down harder on him. Each of them did the same thing. Retired because it was what's best for them, and they have every right to do so without criticism. With that, I tell you what, the World Series championship is going to be decided here in about two months. I'm going to give you some postseason odds. Who wins the World Series this year? The favorite may not surprise you, but their championship odds might. Because one team is far and away the favorite according to a reputable baseball source. We're going to get to that in a moment. But first, if you're looking to do a little gambling, put some money on the line this weekend. College football week one. I have got the lines for all ranked teams in action this weekend. I'm going to give them to you, and I'm going to tell you whether I would take the over or the under. Now, and as always, this is what I would do if I were putting money on these games. I'm not. I'm not even sure that's legal in Michigan. So be forewarned if you choose to take this show's advice word for word. You're not me. I'm not you. I'm just telling you what I would do. Here's the first thing. If you really want to do a prop bet, every ranked team is predicted to win this weekend. Everybody's favored. There should be no upsets in the eyes of Vegas. I see two prime upset candidates in this list I'm going to reveal to you. If you want to make that a prop bet, there will be two upsets this weekend. That might be a more reasonable prop bet. Somebody might bet you that. But let's go down the list. We have Clemson hosting Georgia Tech. Clemson opening their season with a conference game. An ACC matchup for the defending national champions against a first-year head coach. How about that, Jeff Collins? What a rude awakening to your coaching career. Clemson favored by 36 points on their home soil. I tell you what, this is one I would stay away from. Starting off with a toughie. Clemson plus 36. If this happened in October, November, oh yeah, I'd go the over on it. Because Clemson can absolutely light up everybody, especially when you factor in Jeff Collins being a first-year head coach. Clemson smoked Alabama by 20-plus points last year in the national championship game. Trevor Lawrence, Travis Etienne, they're both a year older and better. By all logic, they should beat Georgia Tech by more than 36 points. 
Yeah, week one, still got some growing pains. You got starters that are going to be rested once they get a big lead and they can coast. It's a long season. Dabo's going to preserve his guys. I'm not going near on this bet. I'm not putting money down on it, even if I could. But I would take the under just because it's week one, because there's a lot of unknowns, including that on Georgia Tech's side. How about Texas A&M, 33-point favorites at home against Texas State. I tell you, I've been harping on Texas A&M for a long time now. I've said for months that they are going to be the most improved team in college football this year. Does that mean they'll make the college football playoff? I don't think so, but I think they're going to improve drastically. I think they're going to take a huge step forward as to being one of the top-tier teams in college football. So do I think that they can cover the spread and beat Texas State by 33 in College Station? Absolutely. I'm taking the over on this one. A&M by 33 or more against Texas State. Here's one that's another toughie. This is one of my two prime upset candidates. In fact, there's only one matchup that is prime for an upset more in my mind than this one. 13th ranked Utah. Five-point favorites opening up on the road at BYU. You have Utah and BYU in Provo this weekend. That's going to be a good game. And Utah, again, right, 13th in the country. They're expected to contend for the Pac-12 title once again, only favored by five. First and foremost, I'm not even sure Utah's going to win this game. BYU at home? That's a trap game. You can have a trap game this early in the season. Just ask Mike Riley when he was at Nebraska. You see, I either see Utah running away with it or BYU winning in a close game. So I either want to go over five or I want to say BYU wins. I just don't see Utah having to squeak it out against BYU, if that makes sense. That's why I'm staying away from this one. The Badgers open up as 13-point favorites at Southern Florida. I'm taking the over on it. Jonathan Taylor has something to prove. Kind of a disappointing year for him and the Badgers overall last year. He's got something to prove this year. It's either him or Travis Etienne that's going to be the best running back in college football this year. I don't think either will contend for the Heisman, although they could. Just this year's quarterback class is just unfathomably good. Sparty opening at home against Tulsa. 23-point favorites. I'm taking the under on it. I think Sparty's going to win, but Tulsa is a tricky team. They were a spoiler. They're never going to accomplish anything themselves. But think of the greatest spoilers in your lifetime. Think about Ralph Nader. Tulsa is essentially the Ralph Nader of college football. They're never going to amount to anything themselves, but they can be a spoiler. I don't think they're going to spoil the season opener for Sparty this weekend, but yet Sparty's offense was so lackluster last year, I need to see more before I can take the over on them in any game. Brian Lewerke just did not live up to expectations last year. Maybe he will take that step forward. I believe he's got the potential to do so, but he's got to do better than he did last year. And until they prove to me they have their offensive issues figured out, I'm going to go the under on Sparty. Ohio State, 28-point favorites over Florida Atlantic this weekend in Columbus. Take the over. (laughs) Just take the over. Despite a new quarterback, a new head coach, you have a lot of guys who aren't coming back from a team that didn't make the college football playoff last year. It's still Ohio State. It's still the horseshoe. It's still Columbus. It's still going to be a four-touchdown-plus victory on opening day. How about this one? Nebraska, 36-point favorites over San Antonio. The University of San Antonio. You can see the headlines already. Frost, Huskers, Demolish USA, University of San Antonio. You know what? There's so much hype surrounding Nebraska this year, I don't understand why. 
But I'm going to softly take the over on this. I think they can cover 36 points against San Antonio, and this was the right thing for Nebraska to do. They're coming off a 4-8 and eight year, extremely disappointing considering what they had planned. They're going to schedule a soft opponent early on. That being said, you still got to play the game. Adrian Martinez expected to take a big step forward as the Husker quarterback this year. Some people even think he could be an outside Heisman contender. I don't, and if he is, he's going to be very outside, but he still can be a really good quarterback and one of the better ones in the Big Ten this year. So I'm going to go with Nebraska. I'm going to say let's take the over. 36-point favorites over San Antonio. Let's do it. How about this one? Alabama, 35-point favorites over Duke. Yes, all that needs to be said. Take the over. Alabama can definitely beat Duke by five-plus touchdowns. Take the over on this one. Here's another really interesting one. Stanford at home against Northwestern. The Cardinals, seven-point favorites in week one. I am going to take the over. I think the Cardinals are going to bounce back after the season derailed midway through last year. Northwestern is going to have a down year. Clayton Thorson was a huge part of their offense. He's gone. Pat Fitzgerald's going to have them figured out maybe by midway through the year. He's a great coach. He'll adjust. But week one... They're going to be pretty green to the quarterback position. That's why I'm thinking Stanford on their home field covers the spread and then some they win by a touchdown plus. Syracuse, 18-point favorites as they open the season at Liberty. I'm taking the over. Man, Syracuse is headed in the right direction. Do you know Babers has something special brewing there? They're not ready to contend for a conference championship yet, but they're getting there. They open the season in the top 25 this year. And they are another team that is set to be a spoiler for somebody. People are already circling that matchup against Clemson. I'm taking the over. 18-point favorites at Liberty. How about the Michigan Wolverines? 34-point favorites as they welcome Mid-Tennessee State. I'll take the over on that. Michigan's got something to prove. The revenge tour going in strong to Columbus last November. And their last two games have left a really, really bad taste in their mouth. Brand new offensive coordinator. They bring Gaddis in from Alabama. He'll be handling the play calling, and it is time for Shea Patterson to put up or shut up. It's not just about Harbaugh this year. He's not the only one with something to prove, but Shea Patterson, he was thought to be the savior. Keep in mind, this is a Michigan team that was starting John O'Corn under center two years ago. Shea Patterson was thought to be the answer. The one missing piece Michigan needed to be a perennial title contender again. A few key pieces missing on defense, but as a whole, that defense is still going to be really scary. I'm taking the over. Michigan by 34-plus against Mid-Tennessee State. How about Iowa welcoming Miami, Ohio on Saturday? Hawkeyes favored by 21 points? I think that sounds right. I'm going to say that sounds right. Last year was a complete blowout when these two teams met. Iowa blew the doors off them. And at Kinnick Stadium, if you've never been there, it is a party. Iowa City as a whole is just a party. It's going to be a great atmosphere for that game. Iowa's got a few pieces they're missing, though. That tight end core is going to be a little depleted. Nate Stanley is back, and he's a pro-style quarterback. I don't know if that means he has a future in the NFL, but his upside is really, really good. He doesn't get there on a weekly basis, and that's his biggest drawback, but his upside is really, really good. So I'm going to say Iowa covers, and they win this game as predicted by three touchdowns. LSU, 27-point favorites in the Bayou against Georgia State. LSU, I believe, is going to be the biggest disappointment in the SEC this year. Although Florida, after their Week 0 performance against Miami, may give them a run for their money. That being said, it's Georgia State, and it's at home. 
LSU doesn't typically underperform until they get to the big stage where they play Alabama or Georgia. I'm going to say yes. LSU wins this one by four touchdowns at home. How about another powerhouse opening with a conference game? The Georgia Bulldogs, three touchdown favorites when they visit Vanderbilt. Opening up SEC play in week one. Georgia favored by 21 points. I'll take the over on that. Vanderbilt is an up-and-coming team. I really like that quarterback, Shermer, son of Pat Shermer, coach of the New York Giants. And I like what Derek Mason is building there. I don't personally like Derek Mason, but I like what he's building there. But it's Georgia. Guys, it is Georgia. They have a chip on their shoulder. They got throttled by Texas in the Sugar Bowl. They have something to prove. And even though it's far from it, they feel like this is a make-or-break year for them as far as getting to the playoffs. We all know that's not the reality, but that is the mindset in Athens, Georgia. I'm taking the Bulldogs by three touchdowns. Here is the biggest upset candidate this weekend. Two ranked teams going up against each other. Number 11, Oregon, welcomes number 16, Auburn. A non-conference game in week one featuring two top 20 teams. I love this. Oregon favored by four points. I tell you what, this is the one where I think an upset is most likely to happen. I think Auburn can and will go into Eugene and beat the Oregon Ducks this weekend. So take the under on it. I'm saying Auburn wins this weekend on the road. Few more here before we hit the break. Texas 21-point favorites at home against Louisiana Tech. I'm going to say yes. Texas, I believe, has only the Oklahoma Sooners standing between them and the college football playoff. I mean it. I think this can be a really special year for Texas, but Oklahoma is going to be their catalyst. There are far and away two top-tier teams in the Big 12 this year, the Sooners and the Longhorns. Those two, I believe, will meet the Big 12 championship game once again. Texas is going to have something to prove this year. I am way taking the over this weekend against Louisiana Tech. How about Washington State against New Mexico State? 32-point favorites are the Wazoo Cougs and Mike Leach. Over. Mike Leach and his Iactane offense are going to overwhelm New Mexico State this weekend. Oklahoma, 24-point favorites over Houston. Let's go over. I'm excited to see Jalen Hurts and Lincoln Riley team up. May not be as exciting as Kyler Murray, but how could it be? Jalen Hurts is still a pretty darn good quarterback. Sooners are going to cover the spread and then some as they will romp Houston this weekend. And finally, Labor Day. Notre Dame at Louisville. Fighting Irish favored by 21 points. I'm a fighting Irish fan, you all know that. But I don't think the Irish cover the spread in this one. I think they still win. I'm going to say Irish by two touchdowns. I'm taking the under on this one. Louisville is a pesky team. Last time they played them, Louisville came into South Bend and beat Notre Dame on senior day. Teddy Bridgewater was the quarterback of that Louisville team. Louisville's another pesky team. It'll be a fun atmosphere on Labor Day. Something neither team ever does. It'll be great energy surrounding the stadium. First football game of the year and the first football game in the tenure of Scott Satterfield as head coach of Louisville. And Notre Dame has still got some question marks they need to figure out. That being said, Notre Dame is just a flat-out better team than Louisville this year. I think the Irish win, but by two touchdowns instead of three. That is a look at the opening betting lines for all top 25 teams in action this weekend. Week one of the college football season, those odds courtesy of Bet Online. I tell you what, we got to take our next break. When we come back, who is the World Series favorite and by how much are they favored? One answer, 
I guarantee we'll surprise you. And that's next on ESPN-UP. Check out the UP's live and local sports talk show, The Sports Pen. Weekday afternoons at 4 on ESPN-UP and on the ESPN-UP app. Welcome back to the Sports Pen on ESPN-UP. Tanner Hoops with you. Glad to have you along this Tuesday afternoon. Here's your Sports Center update. Jeremy Lin is moving on from the NBA. He has signed a professional contract with the Beijing Ducks of the Chinese Basketball Association. NBA champion Jeremy Lin. Rob Gronkowski announced this morning that he is partnering with Abacus Medical Products, a company that specializes in cannabis topical products targeting pain relief. Gronkowski then called on several professional sports leagues to end their ban on medical marijuana so that their athletes can benefit from the CBD pain relief products. And finally, a Florida man, of course, was arrested after attempting to steal $56 worth of steaks from a grocery store in St. Augustine. He attempted to sneak out with the ribeyes by putting them in his pants. He was caught on video and apprehended as he attempted to leave the store. Now, isn't there a better place to hide steaks you're trying to steal? I mean, I don't know where I would put a steak if I wanted to steal it, but my pants sure wouldn't be the idea. And those steaks were worth $56 at the time. I don't think they're worth much now. And what is it with Florida Man? When I'm doing these updates, Florida Man is always the safety net. I don't want to say it's low-hanging fruit, but it's always reliable. It's always my go-to contact hitter. I know that there's always going to be something with Florida Man. Can you believe that Floridians are the people who decide who is going to be the president every single time? It always comes down to Florida. We got the right people making the right choices. I tell you what, Tanner Hoops with you here in the Sports Pen. Glad that you're with us as always. We're going to look at some Major League Baseball odds, and i got a guest who's going to join me. I tell you what, Baseball Reference does a wonderful job tracking down everything you need to know and a bunch of stuff you probably never need to know. All kinds of information at the push of a button. Baseball Reference, check them out online if you haven't already. But I tell you what, they are predicting the World Series and even the playoff picture for both the American League and the National League. And according to their odds, the five teams in each league that are currently in playoff position will not change. According to their latest odds, the L.A. Dodgers will be the top team in the National League. Other two division winners will be Atlanta and St. Louis, with Chicago and Washington as the wildcard teams. They're giving it about a 25% chance to finish it that way. That is the greatest odds of any scenario in the National League. In the American League, the Houston Astros are predicted to outlast the Yankees. The Astros are predicted to be the top seed in the American League. Minnesota and New York divisional winners and Oakland and Cleveland will play in the wild card game. That has got a 20% chance of working out all those teams in that order, according to baseball reference. Again, highest odds of any scenario. So what does that mean for the World Series? Let's assume those 10 teams are going to the playoffs. We'll throw in a few more, some teams that are just on the outside looking in. But who is the World Series favorite right now? you probably got a few teams coming to mind. But when I give you the odds and who's favored by how much, it might surprise you a little bit because there is one team that baseball reference far and away expects to take the World Series more than anybody else. So let's start breaking it down in the American League. We'll start in the East Coast. You've got the Yankees who have all but mathematically locked up that division. Seriously, all they need to do now is mathematically lock it up. They're going to. Baseball Reference has their divisional championship odds at 99.8%. There is a 0.2% chance the Yankees won't win the East this year. 
New York is on pace to finish with a record of 103 and 59. So they are supposed to get to 100 wins. Probably not a big surprise. So assuming they get to the League Divisional Series, they then have a 52% chance to make it to the ALCS, and they've got a 25% chance to win the American League pennant. One out of four, that's pretty good. Pretty good odds the Yankees are going to win the AL and head to the World Series. Their World Series odds, 12%. 12% odds that the Yankees win the World Series. That's roughly, what, one out of eight? One out of eight odds to win the World Series? That's pretty good. Does that make them far and away the favorite? Let's keep going down the list and find out. By the way, if you're curious, the remaining teams in the American League East, the Rays are predicted to finish 92-70, and 70, the Red Sox 87-75. and 75. Both of those teams above average, but neither expected to be a playoff team this year. Tampa Bay still hanging around. They still have a 46% chance to make it into the postseason. 45.9% of that is as a wildcard team. That's pretty much their only path. And then Boston behind them, 3% odds at making it to the postseason. As a team, they're already looking ahead to 2020. They know Chris Sale's not going to be with them for the rest of the year. They are looking ahead to the future. And then Toronto and Baltimore, each with less than 0.1% chance to make the postseason. So let's move on to the American League Central. This division expected to send two teams on to the postseason, Minnesota and Cleveland. The Twins expected to win the division. Right now, Minnesota has a 98% chance to make the playoffs. Their odds of winning the division, 85%. Tell you what, I'm not going to lie to you. That feels pretty good. I'm happy about it. Team that's seen only one playoff game since 2010, I'm pretty happy about it. You've got Cleveland that's looking like they're going to be a wild card team. Their postseason odds, 70%. Here at this moment in time, 54% as a wild card team, however. If you're curious, Minnesota on pace to finish 98 and 64, Cleveland 93 and 69. So let's look at their round by round playoff odds. Minnesota, they win the division. You know they're going to play in the league divisional series. They're at a 91% chance to do so. Cleveland 42, assuming they have to go the wild card round. To the ALCS, Minnesota has a 39% chance. It's pretty good. Just a little over one out of three. Cleveland, a 19% chance to make it to the ALCS. To win the pennant, they are giving the Twins a 19% chance to win the AL pennant. Cleveland, 8. And the World Series overall. Keep in mind, the Yankees are sitting at 12% to win the World Series. Minnesota, according to baseball reference, has an 8% chance to win the World Series. Cleveland, at 3 So the Yankees still have better odds in both teams in the Central to win the World Series. Let's move on to the West, where the Houston Astros are predicted to be the second American League team to reach the 100-win mark this year. They are predicted to finish 103 and 59, same record as the Yankees. However, Baseball Reference believes that the Astros will get the top spot in the American League playoffs via tiebreaker criteria. So two teams in the AL on pace to win 100 games. By the way, three teams in the American League that are on pace to lose 100 games. Baltimore, expected to go 56 and 106. Kansas City, on pace to finish 58 and 104. And then Detroit, 51 and 111. Not quite on pace for the 2003 season. I tell you what, Seattle will not finish with 100 losses this year. Right now, they're on pace to lose 93 ball games, finish 69 and 93. It's not good, but when you look at where Seattle is right now, their current record is 56 and 76. 
we've only got 30 games left, which means Seattle would have to lose 24 of their final 30 to lose 100 games for the year. You have to pretty much try for that to happen. It's not going to happen. But getting back to Houston, their odds at making the postseason are greater than 99.9%, and they have a 98% chance to win the American League West. Baseball reference is giving them a 58% chance to reach the league championship series. The ALCS, best odds out of anybody in the American League. They are giving Houston a 32% chance to win the American League pennant. How about World Series odds? Baseball reference has the Astros with a 15% chance to win the World Series. It would be their second the last three years. You've got Houston at 15%, New York at 12 Minnesota at 8 Cleveland at three. Where's the final playoff team, at least in the picture right now, factor into that? The Oakland A's? I tell you what, they're expected to be a wild card team, and they're expected to beat Cleveland in the wild card game. They're on pace to enter the postseason at 95 and 67. They're making their usual late season surge. I tell you what, that is something you can always count on. The Oakland A's taking the first half of the year off and then making a late season push and then getting into the postseason. One year was an exception back in 2014 when they did the opposite. They started so hot. Remember back in 2014? Everybody was thinking the Tigers are the only thing that could separate us from a Nationals Athletics World Series. Then the bottom fell out for Oakland in the second half of that year. What do the odds look like for Oakland this year? Well, they're predicted to win the wild card game. From there, their odds at getting to the ALCS are 23%. Oakland's World Series odds currently sit at 6%. So they're right between Minnesota and Cleveland. 6% for Oakland, 8% for Minnesota, 3% for Cleveland. So that's a look at the American League postseason pitcher and World Series odds. Was our World Series favorite among that group? And we'll find out. Let's take a look at the National League. The Atlanta Braves, currently on pace to win 96 games this year. That gives them an 87% chance to win the NL East. They have a 48% chance of getting to the NLCS and a 20% chance at winning the National League pennant. And then their World Series odds, 10%. Atlanta given a 10% chance to win the 2019 World Series. The Nationals right on their heels. And boy, they're playing really good baseball right now. They have opened up a four-game lead in the wildcard race. They currently hold the top wildcard spot playing such good baseball right now. They are on pace to finish 91-71, and 71, overcoming just a terrible start. Their playoff probability, currently at 98%. How about that? The Nationals expected to be a postseason team. Their chances of winning the pennant? For a wildcard team, this is pretty good. 13%. Washington with a 13% chance at winning the National League pennant. The Braves are going to finish five games ahead of them, and yet they're at 20%. There's not a big gap between those two. And the gap gets even smaller when you talk about World Series odds. Keep in mind, I said Atlanta with a 10% chance to win it. Washington has a 7% chance of doing it. Right now, Washington is the best bet at a wildcard team winning the World Series this year from either league. Then you have a few teams in that division that are knocking on the door, doing their darndest to get in. You've got the Mets and the Phillies on pace to win 83 ball games. Baseball reference says that is not enough. Their postseason chances, New York's is at 21, Philadelphia's at 17. Let's go to the National League Central where the St. Louis Cardinals are on top. Coming into play today, St. Louis sits with a record of 72-58. and 
Their odds at winning the division currently sit at 65%. They have an 84% chance at making the postseason overall. Baseball Reference is giving them a 31% chance to make it to the NLCS and a 9% chance at winning the NL pennant. However, when it comes to their World Series odds, just 3%. The same mark as the team chasing them, the Chicago Cubs. The Cubs are expected to be a postseason team. They're on pace to finish with a record of 86 and 76, and yet they have the same odds to win the World Series, as does the team they're chasing in the division. That baseball reference says they're not going to catch, according to their algorithm. Apparently, they know something we don't, and the Cubs are able to shake off their wildcard game demons that plagued them last year. The Brewers also on the list, but their playoff hopes fade and fast. They're at a 12% chance to make the postseason. Game 2 of an uber-important divisional series tonight against the Cardinals feels like a must-win for the Brewers. But I tell you what, their odds at winning the National League pennant, less than 1%, 0.7 to be exact. Their odds at winning the World Series, 0.2%. Milwaukee just doesn't seem to have that magic they did last year. They have got to get some momentum coming out of the St. Louis series if they want to save their season. It feels like make or break right now. Let's go to the National League West. You've got the Los Angeles Dodgers on pace to win 104 games this year. They would be the only team in the National League to win 100 games, according to Baseball References Algorithm. Their odds at winning the National League West are greater than 99.9%. They've all but locked it up. How about this? Their odds at getting through the NLDS, 66%. Far and away the best in all of baseball, in either league. They're sitting with a 47% chance to win the National League pennant and a 30% chance to win the World Series. The Dodgers are far and away the favorite to win the World Series right now. I know what's happened to him the last few years, and I still don't trust him. But right now, the odds are far and away on the L.A. Dodgers. 30% odds to win the World Series. Houston, again, the next closest team in either league with 15, and the Yankees at 14%. I tell you what, looking at the rest of this list just for fun, there is one National League team that's on pace to win 100 games. There's also just one National League team expected to lose 100 games. As of right now, Miami is on pace to go 62-100. and 100. I tell you what, those are the latest and greatest World Series odds to win the World Series from either league. The Dodgers far and away the favorite, followed by Houston. New York just behind them. You've got Atlanta mixed in there, then Minnesota, Washington, Oakland, St. Louis, Cleveland. Postseason one month away, and I can't wait to get some of these questions answered. I tell you what, let's take our last time out. A brand new trend, brand new varsity sport up at Michigan Tech. I've got a guest who's going to join me next and give you all the details on ESPN-UP. Check out the UP's live and local sports talk show, The Sports Pen. Weekday afternoons at 4 on ESPN-UP and on the ESPN-UP app. If you missed any part of the show today, you can check it out on demand. Go get our free mobile app from the Apple I Store or Google Play or go to our website, ESPNUP.com. Check out the show on demand. Well, Michigan Tech is soon to become the first public university to offer competitive gaming or esports at the varsity level. And we're joined by Huskies Athletic Director Suzanne Sangregret. Suzanne, appreciate you taking the time. This is really exciting. Something groundbreaking new happening up here in the Upper Peninsula. Tell me about how all this transpired and came to be. Well, I think, first of all, as you mentioned, uh, gaming has become probably one of the fastest growing uh, 
competitions internationally, and I think it's also growing uh, very rapidly in the collegiate collegiate environment. And uh, Michigan Tech, as you know, as most people know, is a very much a STEM-focused institution, and we feel that the establishment of a gaming program or an esports program really fits our goals and initiatives of, of moving forward. Um, so we're excited to put it into or incorporate it into our athletic realm for a variety of reasons. One, I think we get uh, a lot of marketing out of it. We're hoping to attract a lot of new students. And uh, by putting it in athletics, we're able to really support those student-athletes as gamers, not only in their strategy and competing in, in the different genres, but also um, incorporating a physical and mental wellness component that will hopefully uh, help them uh, through their collegiate experience and make them more well-rounded and uh, human beings when they leave here. So, Suzanne, what's the timetable for this? At what point do you expect the Huskies to have a team ready to compete? We plan to start competing uh, next fall, fall of 20. Uh, we're not sure of how many different games we will compete, probably um, maybe maybe four, three or four, and then within two to three years grow to a roster of maybe 60-plus uh, athletes competing in probably six different genres. So I'm looking on here, and there's about 130 colleges and universities that offer some kind of esports program. How do you set up intercollegiate matchups? Is it going to be simply like you would a football game? You travel to one university, you have two teams, a home and a road team. Do you have maybe three different teams get together, like a wrestling triangular hosted by one school? How does this work? Well, as as you know, gaming is uh, virtual, so a majority of the gaming will be done in your own, on your own campus competing with other colleges and universities across the country uh, without having to, for us, having to leave the student development complex or leave campus. We are hoping to be a part of an in-person tournament, you know, maybe once or twice a year if they're available to us and in, in a, region, a reasonable geographic uh, footprint. But majority of the competition is done on done virtual. We're hoping to uh, even... Uh, showcase some of those virtual tournaments by uh, having the games be on our big, you know, our video board in the ice arena, for example, or maybe down at the Rose Center. So we're still kind of exploring some of those options of how to bring the game not only um, to the student athletes, but bring it to campus as well and other students that might want to watch our watch watch the competition. Well, Suzanne, tell me about the facilities that this is going to take place, and you're converting a couple of racquetball courts, from what I understand. <laughs> We are, we are. So uh, we are going to take that space and turn it into a, a computer lab or a gaming lab uh, is what we're calling it right now. We'll have about 30 computer units in there um, with a space also where they would uh, get coaching and or strategizing on, on how to compete um, more successfully in, in the games. So we'll have the, the program housed right up in, in our athletic complex uh, so that they have access not only to the lab, but also to the um, athletic trainers, et cetera, as they may need um, other services, academic counselors, that kind of thing. So are you looking for somebody to be able to coach this team? If so, how do you go about looking for a gaming coach? So we are. We have a director of eSports head coach position posted right now. We're actually working through NACE, which is, I believe, where you got the data of about 130 um, schools that are participating. So NACE is the National Association of Collegiate Esports, and we're working through that organization to uh, look for the director and to hopefully hire someone in the next um, four, to, four to six to eight weeks. 
Are you getting good feedback, positive feedback from the students after making this move? So incredible. It, you know we're in orientation right now, and uh, our orientation team leaders and the dean of students, et cetera, have shared this information, and the, the, the students are cheering about it. They're very excited. Uh, one of the factors that we considered prior to launching, um, we, did, we did survey our students, and about 70% of our students identify as gamers. So it's become, it's very popular. Um, it resonates with, with just about all the students, regardless if they're big into ga- competitive gaming or not. And uh, we, it's been kind of exciting now that orientation and the new year starting off to share this with them and to see their excitement to, to have something new and I guess maybe kind of cutting edge. Talk with Suzanne Sangregret, the athletic director at Michigan Tech University. The Huskies just became the latest school to add an eSports program. They'll be getting going competitively in the fall of 2020. Suzanne, tell me about how do you go about deciding which games, which consoles to supply this team with? You know, we will have, I said, the 30 computer stations. That's actually the bulk of the expense related to the sport. We've had a lot of conversations um, on campus about bandwidth and speed of the Internet connection, which obviously is very critical in, in being successful at, at the program um, or at the game. Um, we've also spent a lot of time um, just thinking about the support services that these students may need uh, and just really excited to be able to enhance their you know, their STEM major and their STEM degrees by giving them the uh, arena or the space to develop soft skills, just like traditional sports. Uh, gaming is, is really a, a communication, teamwork, so socialization, problem solving are a big part of gaming, and it very much fits the uh, STEM majors that we have here, um, the computer engineers, the software engineers, the programming engineers that that are really passionate and interested. Um, in terms of the actual games that we're looking at, um, we will for sure start with uh, the traditional, uh, more traditional games like League of Legends, Overwatch, um, Hearthstone. Um, just recently um, in the news was the world champion, uh, 16-year-old who won $3 million in the Fortnite championship. So we'll look at that as also a potential genre. So we're... We're monitoring and seeing what's out there, and really we're not going to make that decision until we have a director hired who has a little bit more expertise in the gaming realm than I do. Well, and you talked about the young man who just won the $3 million at the <laughs> Fortnite tournament. I mean, that's got to be a big recruiting pitch when you're talking about bringing student-athletes to come up here and be part of this program. You, know, you can make a lot of money doing this if you find that you've got a skill for it and you're not at risk of injury, as you would be in a lot of other sports. This is true, and uh, we're going to have to address that as as it as it comes because you know it's a reason the the reason the NCA hasn't one of the reasons the NCA hasn't adopted this or has tabled the discussion of esports is simply because of the amateurism piece, which is what you're you're describing. Um, over in general, we do plan to uh, follow and incorporate or require our coaches and athletes to follow NCA rules as much as possible, so they will be held to the same academic standards as traditional student athletes. Uh, we will limit their countable athletic. Um, or gaming time per week. Uh, we will have mandatory study table and study hall, just like we do with our other athletes. Um, and I really think that with the, this roster of, of um, student athletes, we're going to be able to increase retention and uh, provide them some of the other soft skills, like I mentioned earlier, that will, will really assist them once they graduate from Michigan Tech. 
Is this a team that you can offer scholarships to, and if so, how many? Yes, we plan to offer scholarships. Uh, we're, I'm going to wait for the director to come on board. I have, I have a number in mind, but I'm not sure um, we'll phase it in over probably two or three years as we continue to recruit. But, yes, we will be offering scholarships. Suzanne Sangregret is the athletic director at Michigan Tech, her school the latest to add eSports to its varsity athletics lineup. They'll be competing in the fall of next year. Suzanne, that was fascinating. I wish you and the Huskies all the best up there. I'm excited to see how it all unfolds. Well, thank you very much for reaching out, and uh, it's going to be exciting for us to watch how it unfolds as well. That's it for us in the sports pen. As always, I appreciate you tuning in. Hope you enjoyed the show as much as I enjoyed bringing it to you. I'm back on tomorrow, same time and place, 4 Eastern, 3 Central, and it's my hope that you join me. Until then, I'm Tanner Hoops. Have a great rest of your Tuesday evening.